Chapter 3 Axe, demorph. I felt weird telling Axe what to do, but Jake was down. Not that that meant I was the leader, but I figured someone had to be. We needed to work together. I felt a slight quiver of doubt. Would Axe do what I asked? But I could already see the changes in him. He would be fully Andalite soon. As soon as you're demorphed, go to the head of those stairs over there. You'll be able to see Jake and cover me. It was a large, square opening between floors. An escalator on one end. Stairs at the other end. Railing all around. You know how it is. Basic mall architecture. I waited impatiently for Axe to demorph. We would need firepower. And very few things were more dangerous than an Andalite. Axe trotted to the head of the stairs. I began to demorph. I would then morph again and go down the escalator that came from the other direction. I would go down that escalator as a grizzly bear. I didn't think even a lion could do much to hurt me in that morph. And we'd have Jake covered from both sides. I gradually took my normal, human shape again. It was so bizarre, standing there in the mall. I was barefoot, wearing just my morphing outfit, a leotard. I knew exactly where I was, exactly what stores were around me. After all, I spent a good part of my life in that mall. But this wasn't the mall as I knew it. This was a place of dim lights and deep shadows. Of threat. Of danger. A sound! I looked at Axe. We both strained, listening. A ringing sound. Coming from... Coming from a jewelry store about ten storefronts away. Staring hard, I could see the broken glass on the floor. Someone had knocked out the window to the jewelry store. David! Of course! He was probably stuffing a sack full of diamonds right now. Go! I hissed to Axe. I'll be right there! I finished demorphing and actually noticed, despite myself, that Foot Locker was having a big sale. I began to morph again and... I never heard him. There was no roar. No warning. I just caught a glimpse of tan reflected in the glass of the Foot Locker store. A low, tan rocket skimming along the floor. I spun. Lion! He leapt. I grabbed the bent, twisted railing with one hand and threw myself over the side. Ah! I cried in pain as my wrist and fingers absorbed the weight of my body. I dangled, helpless, swinging above Jake and the floor below. Then I got my other hand to a vertical railing and grabbed on. But what could I do now? David shot past and skidded to a stop. It was almost comic. Almost. If I pulled myself back up, I'd be helpless. If I dropped, I'd break an ankle or leg and be completely helpless. There were two narrow crossbeams spanning the open space. Banners hung from the crossbeams. I don't know what the banners were about. A sail, maybe, or some special event. The closest crossbeam was three feet to my left. It was maybe three inches wide, an inch narrower than the balance beam. I'm an amateur gymnast, but I'd neglected practice for some time, and I'd never tried to swing and then drop onto a three-inch beam, fifteen feet or so above a hard, granite floor. David recovered and came racing back. Axe was still not in sight. I began to swing wildly, heart-pounding the breath out of my lungs. David came sauntering back, 
Big lion paw silent on the floor. Tail swishing. Massive, maned head, lolling back and forth, like some kind of lion version of a way-too-cool dude. Alarm clock, David said. That's what the Andalite is chasing. I said it. I kept swinging. My legs were inscribing a wider arc. I glared at David through the bars. All I have to do is bite your fingers, Rachel. Aren't you going to beg for mercy? David mocked. Nah, of course not. You're brave, Rachel. He opened his mouth, turned his head sideways to bite into my fingers, and... I released. I fell, looked down, saw the crossbeam too far away. One foot hit the beam. I bent my knee and absorbed the impact. I swung my arms over my head, throwing my weight, changing my center of gravity. For a hideously long moment, I teetered back and forth. My other foot jerked and stabbed at the air. Then I felt the crossbeam. I had both feet down. I breathed for the first time in ages. David reached a claw through the bars and raked at me. I felt the breeze from his claws. I stood, motionless, poised, and barely in control. David glared at me with furious yellow eyes. That's okay, he said. I'm not a murderer, you know. I wouldn't kill a human. Now, a bird? A tiger? Sure. I stared back at the lion. The traitor! And I said, find a place to hide, because I'll make you a promise. I will kill you, David. He turned and walked away, laughing as he retreated. I'll kill you! I screamed. I'll kill you! I'll kill you! Chapter 4 Axe came running back, just as I was climbing back onto firm ground. I was shaking. I heard you shouting, he said. David was here, I said. He tricked us. We have to get down to Jake and... I heard the sound of many voices. The police had gained entry. I cursed angrily under my breath. We'll have to hold them off, I said. No, Axe said. Jake is unconscious. We cannot move him. He is far too large. Your police will call for medical help. I took a deep breath. He was right. They'll call Cassie's mom. She's the closest exotic animal veterinarian. But what if there are controllers among these cops? We need to stay with him. Agreed. We must hope he revives within the next hour and a half. Axe added. Otherwise, he will be trapped in Morph. Flashlights were playing across the floor down the hall. The police turned away from us, heading toward the J.C. Penny and temporarily out of sight. We have to move fast. They'll be back. We raced down the stationary escalator and rushed to Jake's side. Up close, I could see one of the torn veins in his neck, still pumping slowly, still bleeding. But he was alive, at least. Alive. Unlike Tobias. What morph? Flea would be best, but they're almost blind and almost deaf. I want to know what's going on. Morph to fly. We were halfway into Flymorph when the new cops arrived and began to walk carefully, cautiously, down the main concourse toward us. 
They played their flashlights around, looking for... Looking for they didn't know what. They were about to get a surprise. That much was for sure. I morphed as quickly as I could, shrinking rapidly. Jake's already huge orange and black bulk seemed to balloon upward, rising above me like a sloped, furry wall. I felt the gossamer wings extrude from my shoulder blades. I felt the extra legs suddenly sprout from my chest. I felt the painless but still awful melting of my face, the way my nose and mouth ran together, then squirted outward to form the vile, sucking mouthparts of a fly. But none of these things meant anything to me. Tobias was dead. Jake might still die. And I was going to have to go after David. I was going to have to hunt him down. I was going to hunt him down and destroy him. No, not destroy. That was a weasel word. It was vague, meaningless. I was going to kill him. I felt sick inside. It might have been the morphing that was annihilating my internal organs and replacing them with the primitive organs of a housefly. Or it might have been the feeling that comes from rage and hate. Axe, tell me something. When Jake sent you to get help, why did you come for me and not Marco or Cassie? Prince Jake was specific. Get Rachel. Did he say why? Axe hesitated a moment. Then, he said, Jake told me Tobias was probably dead. I said this was a terrible thing. And Prince Jake said, Yes, if David's killed Tobias, we may have to do a terrible thing too. Get Rachel. I don't know how that made me feel. I'm not a person who obsesses over her feelings. You know what I mean? Some people can't stop looking inward constantly. And that's not me. But it definitely made me feel strange. Jake had called for me specifically. Because he wanted someone who would do precisely what I was planning to do. Like I say, I'm not big on feelings. But something about that felt wrong. And yet, as I completed the morph to fly, I knew Jake had picked the right person. See, I cared for Tobias. I don't think I even knew how much I cared till right then. But if David had killed him, I would have my revenge. I would make Tobias's murderer pay. Chapter 5 I was bathed in light. A loud, booming, vibrating human voice said, What the? That's a tiger! Frank, that's a tiger! In the mall! That sure as shooting is a tiger. What do we do with it? Call it into the surgeon. It's hurt. Need to call someone. And I'll be racked if I know who. Just keep your weapon on it. It could still be dangerous. Axe, into Jake's ear. I said. We hit the start button for our crazy fly wings and lifted off. It took a few seconds using the fly's Mondo Bizarro Shattered TV set eyes to find Jake's ear. But then we spotted a vast, triangular cave. It was a cave full of long hairs, a cave full of resonating sounds from outside and from the body of the tiger. Axe, how long has Jake been in Morph? I can only approximate, 
I believe it has been about 32 minutes. About 32 minutes? That's your idea of approximate? I am assuming he flew straight to this mall from the spot where I left him, and morphed as soon as he reached this place, Ak said. It may be as much as 35 minutes. Should be time enough for Cassie's mom to get here, I said. But Cassie's mom was not the next person to arrive. The paramedics arrived faster. And, to my amazement, they went right to work on Jake once they were assured the tiger was unconscious. They put pressure on the terrible wound in Jake's neck and slowed the bleeding, but there wasn't much else they could do. Half an hour later, Cassie's mother arrived. So did Cassie's father, and Cassie herself. Maybe she'd guessed that the news of a wounded tiger in the mall meant Jake. Cassie, it's me, Rachel, I called in one-to-one thought speak. Of course, Cassie couldn't answer, but she could hear. Set up for an IV. He's lost a lot of blood, Cassie's mother said in a clipped professional tone I'd never heard before. Cassie, this tiger is Jake. He's been in more for a little over an hour. You need to get him conscious. It was David. David attacked him. And Tobias? Tobias is... I couldn't say it. I couldn't. Just look. Get Jake conscious, no matter what. I have Axe with me. We need to go look for David. He may go after Marco next. Wait a minute. I know this tiger. Cassie's mother said. He's one of ours. He's from the gardens. No one alerted me there'd been an escape. Okay now, squeeze the bag a couple of times to get the blood flow started. I'm going to close that wound right here and now. He won't make it otherwise. Cassie, if you hear me, just say okay. Okay, Cassie said. Good luck. Good luck, Cassie's father echoed. We don't need luck. We have your mom. Axe, are you ready? He said he was, and we flew. No one, with the possible exception of Cassie, noticed two little flies emerge from the tiger's ear. As we flew off, I had to fight the fly's urgent desire to land in the puddle of blood and take a taste. We rose in our crazy, loopy flyway, and as I skimmed above the heads of the paramedics, vets, and cops, I heard one of the paramedics say, We figure he fell through the skylight up there. The glass must have cut him. That must be it, Cassie's mother agreed. Only, you know, if I didn't know better, I'd swear this wound was made by another big cat. Will he live? Cassie asked. I didn't hear the answer. I wasn't sure I wanted to hear the answer. I set course for the broken skylight. There were cops on the roof of the mall but we found a place to land, out of sight behind a house-sized air conditioning unit. We demorphed quickly. I could hear two police officers talking in a low whisper just on the other side of the AC unit. A tiger here? With no one knowing it's escaped? It must be one of the Andalite bandits in Morph. We knew the police force had been partly infiltrated by the Yurks. Still, it was a shock hearing them talk about Andalites. You may be right but there's nothing we can do about it. None of the other cops here are our people. Mr. Three won't take that attitude, the first cop said, shivering despite the fact that it was not cold. 
He'll think we should have found a way to kill it. Then maybe Visor 3 doesn't need to hear about this. Yeah. No need to bother him with every minor thing that goes on. Yeah. We keep our mouth shut. Axe and I continued morphing again. He to his Harrier morph. Me to the Great Horned Owl again. We flew away into the night in a straight line for Marco's house. Marco would be asleep, unsuspecting. He was safe behind locked doors and strong walls. Only, walls and doors meant very little to an anamorph. I began to realize just how hard this was going to be. Visser Three had been trying to wipe us out for a long time. He had thousands of human controllers, taxons, hork spacecraft, and all of his own bizarre, deadly morphs. We had just the six of us. Only, it was just five now, and maybe four. Just us, against a person who could become any animal he could touch. A person who could be any living, breathing thing. A flea in your hair, a cat in a tree, a bat in the night. And, when you were unprepared, when you were vulnerable, a lion, or tiger, or bear. I was starting to realize why Visser Three hated us so much. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and I have a special announcement today, which is another addition to the Platinum tier of Audiomorphs listeners. Should really come up with, like, a cool title for you all, but, uh, another donation. Um, you can find my PayPal on my website, that's theapodcalypse.com. It's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, if you'd like to donate, all your money is going to go to uh, server fees and also my hosting fees to have a website, um, which is really a vanity thing for me, but appreciate it. Um, but again, don't feel any pressure to actually donate to me. Um, strictly, if the spirit moves you, um, I'm, I'm fine financially. Uh, but Taylor felt so moved and gave me a donation. So thank you so, so much, Taylor, uh, attached to us a message. Audiomorphs is so good. The production quality is just so high for what it is, and I hope you never stop. I just wish you'd go through books a little faster, but oh well. I'm happy to be listening. More to come. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you for listening, Taylor, and I'm sorry that um, the release schedule is what it is, but, you know, I have a life outside of this. Uh... <laughs> Um, but no, seriously, thank you. Thank you for, uh, writing in. Thank you for donating. I really appreciate your support. Sincerely. Thank you. Uh, other than that, I, I got nothing. So, uh, just, you know, your standard stuff here. Uh, you heard about my website. Oh, be sure to check in on my other podcast, uh, into the rewatch podcast, which you can find on my website as previously mentioned. Uh, it's where me and my friend, uh, they go by art now. Me and my friend art are, uh, Rewatching Riverdale currently. We just entered season four. I've never actually seen season four before. Neither has Art. So we're both going into this fresh. So I'm very excited about it personally. So if that sounds like a good time, um, be sure to check it out. But no pressure. And if you'd like to write in, you can, of course, uh, become a platinum member like Taylor here and write in that way. But you don't have to. Um, but there is also a, a message form on my website that you can use. You can also write in through Gmail. That's 
audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And of course, you can always reach out on Twitter. That's at audiomorphs. And that is where I will be posting any sort of announcements related to the show um, in between, you know, episode uploads. Um, If you use Apple Podcasts and you'd like to leave me a rating and or review, sure would appreciate it. That's another way to write into me. I will take that. And uh, tell a friend if you feel like it, I guess. Christmas is coming up. Did you forget a present? Did you forget a present? Say, hey, I got you a great present. And it's the gift of 21 and some change Animorphs audiobooks. You know what this retails at? If you got it from Scholastic, like, uh, what what is it like between five and ten dollars a book? Let me do some quick math here. Listen, that's like uh over a hundred dollars, right? But I got it all for you because I'm a good friend. And uh, please ignore that this isn't the Scholastic version. It's just some guy with a microphone, just like that. Uh, so you know, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Where am I? Goodness, that's all I have to say. I think we're going to end on that note. I don't know what happened there. The spirit of Christmas moved in me. Um, Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.